Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. What a blessing it has been to have Compassion International with us, hosting the Compassion Journey this weekend. Now, before this weekend, maybe some of you have heard of Compassion International, but for many of you, Compassion International may be a new thing. Now, personally, I've had some personal experience with Compassion International uh, before this weekend uh, because it was a couple of years ago uh, in February of 2020, just before COVID broke out, right? Uh, in, In February of 2020, we brought Compassion International into First Baptist Church, Wataga. And this is what I love about Compassion International. Their mission is to pair compassionate people with children living in extreme poverty to release them from spiritual, economic, social, and physical poverty. Now, and so as we think about their mission, this is who Compassion International is. Now, last week, we we launched into a new series titled, Who We Are. And so we are looking at, at the different facets of our own mission statement here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. We are a community church with a kingdom mission, meaning that that we are both located within this community of Stockdale, and we love and we support this community, But, but we are also a community of believers. That's what a church body is. We are a community of believers, and as a community of believers, our mission here is rooted and grounded in his word and his kingdom. So let me pause right here and and give you this overarching truth that, that I gave to you last week, and I want you to grab hold of this throughout this series. As a church, it is Christ who unites us, and it is a mission rooted and grounded not in our own ideologies, but in his word and in his kingdom that moves us forward in one direction together. And so the kingdom mission that that this church body, that First Baptist Church has adopted is to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And so last week and this week, we're looking at that first word that, that we have adopted here. We are called to love. And as we think about this word, Love, understand, we are not saying we're just going to love anything and everything, but what we are saying is that we are going to love God and we're going to love others. We are going to love God and we're going to love others. And, and this is why I invited Compassion International to join us this weekend. This is why I asked uh, for them to host the Compassion Journey here at First Baptist Church Stockdale and, and why our Mission Development Council last Last semester, why, why they recommended to our church that we begin partnering with Compassion International for our long-term international mission strategy. Because, because I believe that our two missions, their mission and our mission, I believe that our missions intersect with one another. Because Compassion International is looking for compassionate 
people to, to bring children out of poverty. Let me reword that for you. Their desire is to pair loving people with children that are in poverty. Their desire is to get loving people to help children come out of poverty. And, and so Compassion International is looking for loving people. And we as a church have said, you know who we are? We are a people called to love. We are loving people. We are compassionate people. And so I believe that Compassionate Inter International is an organization. It is a ministry that can help First Baptist Church Stockdale to fulfill this mission that, that we have to love. And, and we're going to see this even more clearly as we look at our passage today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 25 through 37 today. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Now, as you're turning there, let me say this. If you remember last week, we looked at the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 9. Now, now, in the previous chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses had just reminded the Israelites of the Ten Commandments. But then at the start of chapter 6 in verse 1, Moses said, this is the command. Before he, he gave them the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, he said, this is the command. And in doing so, God was giving this overarching command that, that all of our obedience to all the other commands is going to flow from. Love the Lord your God. And if we're obedient to this command, all of the other commands are going to flow from this because here's the reality. When we love God, obedience is the natural response. When we love God, obedience is the natural response. And this is important for us to remember because I think many times what we do when, in response to our sin or in response to our disobedience, what we do is we simply try harder. We, we just try in my own strength, in my own power, I'm just going to try harder to overcome this sin. But what we often find is that as we simply just try harder, as we simply just try to give it more of our own strength, many times what happens is we fail again. And so I, I don't believe that our response to sin or our response to temptation needs to be to just simply try harder. I, I believe that our response to sin, our response to disobedience is for us to fall in deeper love with God. Because when we love God, obedience is the natural response. So this morning, would you just fall in deeper love with God today? Would you fall in deeper love with his word? Would you fall in deeper love with who God is? Fall in deeper love with God because when we love God, obedience is the natural response. And I believe that what happens as we walk in this love relationship with God, what we find is that we don't have to do it in our own strength. We don't have to address sin and temptation in our own strength. What we find is that he gives us his strength. He gives us his power. When we are weak, he is strong. And so he provides his strength in our life 
for us to address that sin, for us to address that temptation, that we might begin to walk in obedience, not in our own power, but in his. And so last week we looked at the book of Deuteronomy and we saw this call for us to love God, the first part of our mission statement. We are called to love God. And as we look at our passage today, we're going to see this reminder once again that we are called to love God, but we're also going to see this reminder of our call to love others. So let's read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It says that an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, on his journey, came up to him. And, in, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of them. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of, of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. So there are a couple of things that I want to point out uh, as we start out this morning. First, the expert in the law asks Jesus really two questions. And the first question that he asks Jesus pertains to eternal life. What must I do to in inherit eternal life? We're going to talk more about that at the end of this message. But, but as we see Jesus engage with this expert in the law, Jesus asks him, what is written in the law? And the man responds with the Shema, the passage that we looked at last week. Love the Lord your God. But then he extends it to, to include the second greatest commandment, to love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And after the expert in the law mentions these two commands, then he asks Jesus a second question. He says, and who is my neighbor? Now, if we're honest, I think this is a question that, that we still ask today. Who is my neighbor? Because really what we are asking is, who do I have to love? Because let's be honest, not everybody is easy to love, right? It's easy to love our friends. It's easy to love the, the family that we get along with. We don't always get along with family, but it's easy to love those that we get along with, right? It's easy to love some people, but it's not easy to love everyone. So let me tell you about Bob. When I worked in the business world, I was 
supervisor of customer service for several different hospitals in, in Oklahoma. And things were really going well in, in the business offices where I worked until they hired Bob. Bob was hired. He, he was the boss put uh, just a, a couple of positions above me. And Bob began to make changes. Now, changes are not always a bad thing, but, but the changes that Bob began to make made things more difficult for all the employees. He, it, it, he really just kind of began to suck the joy out of going to work. Do you know anybody like that? They just kind of suck the joy out of your day, or, or they just kind of suck the joy out of things. And so I'll be honest, it, it was a struggle for me to even like Bob, right? And maybe you can think of someone in your life where, man, it's a struggle for me to even like them. The reality is, is that some people are difficult for us to love. And so I think many times when, when we ask this question, and who is my neighbor, really what we're asking is, who do I have to love? Because if I don't have to love Bob, I'm not going to do it, right? If, if you give me an out, then I'm going to take it. But, but here's the reality. Whoever you're thinking of in your mind that you might ask that question, who is my neighbor? Do I have to love them? Let me tell you the answer is yes. Even I have to love Bob. All these years later, I still have to look back and love Bob because understand we cannot fulfill this first command to love God without fulfilling the second command to love others. We cannot love God without loving others. 1 John 4.20 says it this way, If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. We cannot love God without loving others. And so if we're going to love others, if we recognize, yes, we are called to love others, if we're going to love others the way we're called to love, then what does that love look like? And I believe that as we look at this passage, that, that Jesus has really given us a great picture of what our love for others is supposed to look like. And so as we walk through the, this parable of the Good Samaritan, there are three things about love that, that I want you to, to walk away with today. First, love compels us to stop. Love compels us to stop. In this parable, we see this man that's traveling from Jerusalem to, to Jericho, and he falls in the hands of robbers. And, and they take his clothing, they beat him up, and, and, and they leave him for dead. Now, we don't know much about this man that was traveling on this road, but what we do know is that in this very moment, this man was in great poverty. Everything had been taken from him. Everything had been stripped from him. His clothes, his finances, his dignity, and, and quite nearly his life. In this very moment, what this man needed was someone to stop and to be moved with compassion to see him, to be moved with love, and in their love and compassion, to see exactly what he needed. Now, the first two individuals that, that show up onto the scene, it, it really was no surprise that they would show up in the story. It's a priest and a Levite. 
There, there's, there's not many details that we have about this priest and the Levite, but, but what we know is that like the expert in the law, the priest and the Levite, two religious individuals, they also would have been experts in the law. They would have known that the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And they would have known that the second command is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Just like the expert in the law, these two religious individuals, they would have known the law as well. And so it's really no surprise that these two individuals would show up in the story, for, especially for the Israelites that, that were listening to this story. It's no surprise that Jesus would put these two religious people in the story. The surprise, however, in Jesus telling this story is that as the, these two religious individuals, as the priest and as the Levite see this man that, that has been left for dead, they do nothing. Instead, they just become passerbys in this story. They see the need and yet they do nothing about it. They just kept going. So let me pause right here and say this. Knowing God's word and applying God's word are two different things. Amen. Knowing God's word and applying God's word are two different things. We can study God's word. We can, we can memorize scripture. We can read it all day long to our heart's content. But unless we apply God's word in our lives, what we know is meaningless. And so as believers, understand we are called to both know God's word, but we are also called to apply God's word in our lives. And so while the priests and Levite may have known the law, they failed to apply God's word to their lives. They failed to apply the law to their lives when they, when they had the opportunity. They did nothing. But then we see a different individual. We see this Samaritan now. The Samaritan would have been surprising for Jesus to put into the story because Samaritans were greatly despised by Jewish people. If you remember from an earlier message that I shared, Samaritans were seen as half-breeds because of intermarrying between Jews and those outside of the Jewish race. Samaritans were seen as these half-breeds, and so they were greatly despised, greatly looked down upon. And so while the priest and Levite, it wouldn't be a surprise for them to show up in the story, a Samaritan would be a surprise. But even more surprising than that, as Jesus tells this story, it's not the priest and Levite that stop. It's the Samaritan that stops to help this man in need. So let me bring you back to our mission here at First Baptist Church, Stockdale, and say this. When, when we say that we are going to love God and when we say that we are going to love others, I don't want this to just be something that we say. I don't want this to just be something that we memorize, something that we can repeat. I want this to be true of who we are here at First Baptist Church, Stockdale. If we say we are going to love God and if we say we are going to love others, then I want to make sure that we are loving God and loving others. I want this to be modeled in our lives. And so this is why Compassion International has been here this weekend. This is why they've been hosting this Compassion journey for us. Because here at First Baptist Stockdale, we are not simply going to say that we love others. We are going to love others. This is going to be who we are here at First Baptist Stockdale. 
So in this moment right now, just as we've been talking about love compelling us to stop, what I want you to do right now is just stop. And I want you to look in the pew directly in front of you because in the pew in front of you, there are cards. And those cards that are in front of you with the Bibles and the hymn books have children on them. You're going to see very real children. The cards look just like this one. You're going to see very real children. And all of these children are in Managua, Nicaragua. All of these kids are, are real children that are in poverty right now in Managua, Nicaragua. They all live in the same city. They go to the same uh, churches. And so all of these kids are, are living there right now. And the kids that are in the pews directly in front of you are, are kids that are living in spiritual poverty in physical poverty, in social poverty, in economic poverty. And so, so it's okay. You can take those. You can start grabbing them, start looking at them. That's okay. Uh, you can be a, a bit distracted this morning by those cards in front of you. I'm okay with that. Because love compels us to stop. Second, love compels us to act. Let's look at verses 33 through 34 again. It says, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So not only did this man see that he was in great need, that, that this, this man was in great need, but he stopped. He had compassion on him, and, and what we see is that he took care of him. Understand, my desire as your pastor is that not only would we see the needs of others, but that we would stop and that we would, we would do what we can to meet those needs. And, and I understand everybody's going to be at a different place for what they can do to help. But my desire is that as we see the needs of others, not just today, not just on Compassion Sunday, but as we see the needs of others, that we will be a people who will stop and who will take care of those needs for others. So let me bring you back to Compassion International. Because in this passage, we don't have to wonder how the Samaritan helped this man. It, it lays it out there for us. And, and when we work with Compassion International, this is what I love about them. We don't have to wonder how we are helping. They lay it out there for us completely. With some organizations, when you give, with some organizations, when you sponsor children, you don't really know where your money's going, but Compassion International lays it out there for us. And, and so let me just list off some of those ways that, that we help a child when, when we sponsor through Compassion International. When we support a child, we're, we're able to provide medical checkups, which often saves lives. We're able to provide for them nutritious food. We're able to provide health and hygiene training, which is very necessary for them to, to not get sick. We're able to provide special services for them like surgeries and disaster relief. We're able to provide for them uh, Christian mentoring, where they, where they are paired with individuals there that can help teach, teach them God's word and disciple them. And we are able to provide for them the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus Christ that they might develop a lifelong 
relationship with God. And so as we think about who Compassion International is and as we think about who we are as First Baptist Church Stockdale, I believe that, that our missions intersect with one another. Because Compassion International is looking for loving people and we have said that we are loving people. And so today I'm not just calling you to stop, but I'm also asking you if you are able to act. Again, I realize that not everybody is going to be able to do this, but I'm asking you if you are able with your family to act and, and, and to begin filling out that card for you to sponsor that child. This is one that we picked up last night that, that we began as a family sponsoring. We've been sponsoring two kids for the last two years, and so this is our third child that we're going to be sponsoring. This is Irvin, and Irvin is living in that same area of Managua, Nicaragua. And on this, this, these cards that you'll find directly in front of you, uh, you will find a place that you can fill out your information so that you can begin taking action to help bring that child out of poverty. Now, what that commitment is, is $38 a month. $38 a month to provide uh, all of those services for these children. And just like in that video that we watched at the beginning of this message, we're able to, to see how, how our sponsorship can, can provide a direct impact to, to bring these kids not just out of poverty in their childhood, but man, what a great impact it makes for their lives in the future as well. Love compels us to stop. Love compels us to act. Finally this morning, love compels us to give. Let's look at verse 35 again. It says, The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Love compels us to give. So I shared this during the, the candlelight service, but I'm going to share it again. Amy Carmichael, she lived from 1867 to 1951. She was a missionary for 55 years of her life in India without ever taking a furlough during those 55 years. She wrote many different books in her lifetime, and in one of those books she said this, You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving because love compels us to give. And let me take that a step further to say this. Love compels us to give unsparingly. Love compels us to give unsparingly. And I say that not only because we see this desire from the Samaritan to give unsparingly, but we also see the example of unsparing love in, in the sending of Jesus Christ. God set the example for us of loving unsparingly. You see, the, the Samaritan saw the needs of this man while he was in a desperate state, but God saw our needs while we were in a desperate state. And we didn't just need a Samaritan, we needed a Savior. And so Jesus Christ came into this world and he gave everything. He gave his life for you and for me, dying on that cross that he might bring us out of our sins, that we might have salvation through him. As we think about unsparing love, 
as we think about God calling you and me to give unsparingly, understand when God calls us to give unsparingly in our love, he is not calling us to do something that he has not already done himself. He has set the example for us of giving unsparingly. Now, as we look at this passage of the Good Samaritan, while we're able to see the exact ways that this Samaritan helped the man, we really don't see the response from the man that was helped. The story just kind of ends. I've always kind of been disappointed in that. We don't get to see how this man responded to all of the help that this Samaritan gave him. But this is what I love about Compassion International. When we sponsor children through Compassion International, we get to be a part of these children's lives and we get to find out exactly how we are helping them and we get to hear back from them. Because we're able to write these kids' letters and they're able to write letters back to us. So I told you that we've been sponsoring a couple of children already for the last couple of years. One of the girls that we've been sponsoring, her name is Edith. She's 12 years old now. Uh, so she's a year younger than our daughter, Emily. And so I brought with me today a letter from Edith. And we've got a picture of Edith that we're going to throw up on the screen so you all can see her. This is a letter that, that she wrote to us. She said, Hello, dear sponsor Kevin. I hope you and your family are healthy. I thank God and you for your sponsorship and the letters you sent me. I ask God to keep you from COVID, and I also pray for your family so that they are doing well, and I hope you pray for me and my family. I thank you for the blessing you sent me. I bought a pair of shoes, polo t-shirts, and I also want to tell you that I have a new teacher at the project, and his name is Donald Obando, and he teaches us about many topics, and I'm learning about God. I say goodbye to you, and I hope God bless you and your family. With love, Edith Mejia. Love compels us to stop, and love compels us to act, and love compels us to give. And, and as I think about Edith and Elias that we've been sponsoring for the last couple of years, this $38 a month for each of these children, you know, it, it, it's a little bit to give. But I think about how much we spend as a family each time we go out to eat. On a Sunday afternoon when we go to Sylvia's, we spend more than what we're giving to Edith. We spend more than what we're giving to Elias. And so, yes, it's a little bit for us to give, but the impact that it makes in these children's lives is long-lasting. And what a blessing it is. And so here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, my desire is that we would be not just the people that says we are called to love, not just the people that says we're going to love God, not just the people that says we're going to love others, but that we would actually put it into action, that we would love God and that we would love others because this is who we are and so today, as you have stopped to see these children, and as you have grabbed hold of those packets, and as you've been filling those packets out, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond and to bring those packets up to, to drop them in these baskets. And so if you're planning on filling that out and you haven't started yet, I encourage you, fill that packet out before we come to the close, because I'm going to have you respond during the invitation. But before we wrap up, at the start of our message, 
I said that I was going to bring you back to this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded by pointing this man to the law. But understand what Jesus was doing when he pointed this man to the law. He was was giving an implication there that we can't do anything in our own strength to inherit eternal life. This man, he lived by the law. But really, when we look at the law, the law reminds us of our inability to live up to the law of our inability to do anything to save ourselves. As we think about that command to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength, yes, we are called to do that, but we're going to fail at that. We will not live up to that standard perfectly. As we think about our call to love others, we're called to do that, but, but we're not going to always do that perfectly. And so as we think about the law, the law reminds us that we fall short. And so the reality is, is that we can't do anything in our own strength to inherit eternal life. We have to depend on the one who did do something to help us inherit eternal life. And that's Jesus going to the cross. It's not about what you and I can do to be saved. It's about what Jesus did for us. And so today, if you've never given your life to Christ, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so in just a moment... We're going to sing one final song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond this morning. Now, I realize that that many times uh, as we sing, we kind of just go through the motions and there's not much movement. But I'm asking for movement today because I'm asking you, if you have filled out that card, you're going to take that. You're going to you can keep the, the part with the picture of your child, but you're going to tear this part off. And I'm asking you to bring it up to the baskets on either side and drop that in during the invitation this morning. This will be your response to the message. This will be your response to God's word as you commit to act, as you commit to intervene, to to provide a sponsorship for a child for $38 a month. Now, if you're in here and you say, that's just something I can't do, that's okay. There's other ways that you can be involved with Compassion International. There's other ways where you can give one-time gifts, and and that's okay. But but I want to provide an opportunity for everybody to respond this morning. And so there there are cards in front of you that are blank. And so you can bring those blank cards back up because we need those back so that they can go to... Uh, to someone else to be able to be sponsored. And so even if you're not filling out that card, you can bring those, those cards that are not filled up back up here and place them in the basket for us so that we can have those back uh, for someone else to sponsor later on. Now, if you're here today and you would say you've never given your life to Christ, you've been trying to in- inherit eternal life in your own strength, but today you recognize that it's Jesus and Jesus alone that can provide that salvation, that can pri- provide that eternal life to you. Today, if you're ready to give your life to Christ, then I would invite you to respond as well. What a great day to respond. Everybody's going to be moving today. You're not going to be singled out, so come on down here. Let's talk, let's pray, and you can give your life to Christ this morning. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. Love compels us to obey. And obedience is the natural response. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that next step of baptism, then I would invite you to respond as well. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's make that commitment to be baptized today. Again, there's going to be a lot of movement in this room today. 
So what a great day for you to respond as well. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say, I've given my life to Christ and I've been baptized. And, and as we've been walking through our mission statement, as we've been talking about who we are, you know that God's calling you to join this church body. You've been visiting, but you know God's calling you to connect with this church body, to be a part of who we are here at First Baptist Stockdale. If that's you, if God's calling you to join this church, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.